Welcome to the Black and Gold Blueprint presented by Fans First Sports Network. This is episode two of my new podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode. Uh, we're going to jump right into things here and we're going to look at the timeline. We just got finished talking in episode one with the NFL Combine and the time is upon us, everyone. Indianapolis, the uh, media world, the front office executives and all these fine draft prospects are in tow as they're getting ready to do their performances out in the field, get all their x-rays and and medical stuff out of the way, as well as the interview process. So we're going to dive into that a little bit here Uh, today. We're going to go through, I'm going to give you the schedule of what it looks like. I gave it to you last uh, time we talked here, but just so you're aware, Thursday is really the on-field stuff starts and it kicks off here with defensive linemen and linebackers uh, getting the start on Thursday, February 29th. Then on Friday, March 1st, we have the defensive backs, both the cornerbacks and safeties, as well as the tight ends now. That's a little bit of a change from previous years. Then Saturday is the big day for – it'll probably be the biggest for the ratings. We'll have quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs. A heavy skill position day there, so a lot of eyes will be on the field on Saturday with the uh, passers out in the field, seeing them spin the ball. And we'll talk about who might not be out there throwing uh, to put on a show with their talents. Then finally, Sunday, it wraps up with all the offensive linemen, the tackles, the guards, and the centers. Um, We're also having some specialists come in as well. I believe they're just getting measured. And then there's going to be this year a specialist uh, showcase that's going to be taking place after the combine. So that's something new this year as well. So I gave you the schedule and the rundown of what you're going to see the on-field events. Uh, But let's jump into some of the notes, noteworthy things that we found out already in Combine News. Uh, We have a number of the higher ranked players have chosen to bow out of the contest on the on-field work. Uh, All four of these prospects will be still in Indianapolis to take part in the medicals, as well as the interview process with all the teams that they get with the 15-minute interviews. Uh, And those players are Caleb Williams, uh, the all hands on deck, number one pick, uh, likely to be coming out the first quarterback off the board from USC. Jaden Daniels as well has uh, has made the decision not to throw, but will be there as well to do the interviews. Uh, and then two of the, the best receiving prospects in this year's draft, Marvin Harrison Jr., as well as Malik Neighbors from LSU have chose not to run or participate on on-field drills. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. actually is talking about uh, not performing at all pre-draft, even at a pro day, but neighbors uh, will be putting his displays on at the LSU pro day with Jaden Daniels. So there's a little bit of notes coming out uh, as we start our process here with the combine. But like, like I told you in the, in the first pod, I'm going to give you a little bit more than just the, uh, um, the baseline ideas of what we're looking at here. Uh, when it comes to players performing at the combine, what to expect. So what measurements or drills are important at the NFL combine? That's what we're going to jump into today. Um, but I want to preface this by saying, give you a little disclaimer about the NFL combine. We talked about last week, is it even important and the and the things that uh, the results that take place there. Um, so from a scouting point, you should never change your outlook on a player just by how they perform in Indy. Um if they don't hit and hit certain thresholds athletically by the results or um, it doesn't mean they can't succeed at the next level. You take a guy like Antonio Brown, he tested horribly at the NFL combine. He also had some off the field questions and that's why he fell to the, the sixth round than he was. But there's a, there's a host of players that I can give examples of that may have not came out and put on a display of their, uh, you know, to marvel at an indie. So whenever you're looking at these test results, it just, you don't take, you take them with a grain of salt. You don't put too much stock in them. If anything, it should make you go back to tape and revisit if there is a, 
is if there's a certain result that's not matching what you've seen on the tape or if you got to see them in person and perform. Um, with saying that, athletic testing and scouting go hand in hand. Uh, when they when coming up with a total picture of a player and getting their stock really figured out, it should be looked at like a good recipe. Uh, that's whenever I, I look at a player and I'm, I'm really um, trying to get a full picture and a full scope of what that player can be to a team. It's you may have standards in the way you scout players. You may want somebody to be certain things and hit the certain material that you have and the thresholds that all these teams have. But like a good recipe, if you run out of one of the materials, it can be substituted with another ingredient. So maybe they don't have an explosive broad jump, but they have an outstanding three cone for a receiver. Or maybe they don't have the longest arms as a center, but they have huge hands and great anchor strength. So there's a lot of different ways that we're talking about here that you're talking about what kind of ingredients you're looking for in a quality player. So I just wanted to get that little disclaimer out here before we start jumping into what what you're looking at in certain types of players. So what, what all are they getting tested at in the NFL Combine? So you're looking at all the players as far as on field or, or the measurements wise will be getting a height, a weight, an arm length, a hand size, a 40-yard dash, and within the 40-yard dash, you get what's called a 10-yard split, a vertical jump, a broad jump, a short shuttle, or a 20-yard shuttle, and a bench press. There's also a 60-yard shuttle, but a lot of guys don't perform in that, so it's not something we're going to talk about a lot. And um, every one of these measurement tests have different significance. So a 40-yard dash, you're looking at speed over distance. 10-yard split is that initial quickness. It's usually the first three to five steps that you're getting out of your break. Um, then you're having the bench press. It's it's showing the upper body strength that you're coming into the NFL with. Your vertical jump is, is, is exposing the player's explosiveness and their lower body leg strength, as well as the broad jumps is the same thing, explosiveness, leg strength. Now, the 20-yard shuttle or the short shuttle, that's showing the flexibility that you have as a player the burst, as well as balance. So that one's very key, and we're going to get into the position types that that really matters with. Um, and the three-cone. The three-cone, is an, it shows your agility, your fluidity, and your change of direction. And a lot of players uh, that that comes in the, in the traits with is a cornerback and, and your receivers, those short area spaces and what you're doing. And also quarterbacks, uh, they, they have to maintain stability within a, in a small pocket. So you're looking at three-cone drills even at them, trying to get an understanding of what, what all these numbers and, and all these different things that you can take a quantitative look at and apply them to a scouting report. So I want to give you um, my most overvalued um, test and then my most underrated ones. So the most overrated ones is definitely the 40-yard dash. I know it's the one that everybody um, tunes in for on TV, but 40-yard dashes in its total are nice things to write home about. We know John Ross has, what is it, a 4-2-2, and Chris Johnson ran fast, and Deion Deion Sanders um Ran historically right out of the combine after running a reported 419 or 418. Um, so, yeah, that's long speed. But how many times do players get to run 40 yards unabridged? It's not really often. So, that's going to parlay my point into the most underrated one. And the two tests that I take the most out of in a combine is the 10 yard splits out of the 40 yard dash and three cone. So, your 10 yard splits, you're talking about that explosiveness 
explosiveness off the line of scrimmage. It's really the first few steps that you get to make an impact, whether you're being jammed as a receiver, a tight end, or maybe it's even defensive lineman and the quickness off the ball before a, an, an offensive line engage, offensive lineman engages with you. The three cone is all about winning in small areas, and that's usually laterally. So a lot of these tests are set up to win vertically. Three cones, the one that you're seeing the fluidity. Do you have hip um, stiffness? Do you have the change of direction skills to be able to create separation in, in small spaces? So as I was saying, there's a lot of different positions that translates over to. Um, but there's one other thing I wanted to throw you at you here. Another stat that I found was quite interesting, and it was by uh, Josh Norris of the Underdog Dynasty. Um, he found a key stat to take note of an offensive lineman, and it's that over the last 10 years, only 24 players have hit short shuttle times of 4.47 seconds or under. Out of those 24 players, they combined to start 84% of their career games. That is a huge, huge number to be taking taking a little bit of value in when you're watching these performances. So if you see a lineman, an offensive lineman do a short shuttle and it's four, four, seven or under, make sure to take note of that guys that were included in that list are Jason Kelsey, Ali Marpet, Charles Leonard jr. Who was a seventh round pick and started a lot of games at left tackle now. And even first overall pick Eric Fisher was a part of that. So I kind of gave you the rundown of the most overrated, most underrated, a key stat for offensive linemen. But I want to give you one key dr uh, drill or stat or measurement that you need to take note of as far as positionally here. So quarterbacks, a couple years ago, us Steeler fans, we had to go through the Kenny Pickett experience with a hand size. And as I already threw out my disclaimer, just because one guy doesn't hit a threshold doesn't mean he can't be a success in the league. But there is a threshold for a reason. Nine inches, nine inches is usually the minimum for a quarterback to be successful in this league. And a lot of times that comes down to weather environments, especially in the Northeast uh, when we have snow and rain. So that's there for a reason. Now, certain players do not hit that and they're still successful, but just be aware that hand size is one thing that to take note of in a scouting report, um, but to not completely dismiss the prospect. One other aspect here I want to touch on, I, I talked about the three cone. You really want to have a quarterback be in that 7.0 second or lower in the three cone performance because that shows their ability to kind of finesse their way around the pocket in short areas and be able to work through trash around their feet. So that's a really, really a big aspect that you want to be taking note of in these quarterback performances. Now, running backs, um, you would think a 40 yard dash or maybe the vertical jump. Those are important. But uh, in one of my evaluations that I found is the 10 yard split. You want to look for guys that have a 1.5 second or lower um, to really be in that good to great range of a starting caliber running back or the winning portion of a committee back. And I throw that at you with the caveat of saying that 90% of runs in the NFL go for 10 yards or less. So that's what you're looking at here with, with the splits of 10 yards is the 40 yards are important if he's able to get out in the open field, but 90% of the runs are one and 10 yards or less. Receivers now, they also win with the 10-yard split. Now, I could have went here with the three-cone because of being able to create separation laterally across the field, but they have to be able to escape the jam and put defensive backs on their heels. So the 10-yard split, they need to be getting in a 1.6 second or lower. So keep an eye on that one as the receivers are performing. I know the 40-yard dash is usually reserved for these guys, and the, you want to see guys running a 4-2 and, and be able to chat around the water cooler with it. 
But talk about with your friends the 10-yard splits of 1-6 uh, seconds or lower. Tight ends, they're a unique position because they're a combination of a lot of skills. You're looking at, you know, you need some length for your tight ends uh, in the blocking department. So you usually want a guy between 32-inch arms or above, 32.5 to 33, um, so that they can lock out and, and control defenders. Um, you want them to have speed to be able to, you know, create that separation down the seam. So when you have guys like Kyle Pitts at running a really low 40 time, that's the reason why they go in the top 10, 15. Tight ends though, the one that I value is a vertical. They're vertical, like I said before, it be able to show their explosion, their lower body strength. So you'll be able to, to translate that to blocking as well as being able to, you know, climb the ladder above defenders down the field and make catches. So a lot of these big uh, guys like um, George Kittle and um, Travis Kelsey have had really nice vertical um, jumps in their history at the combine. Finally, we're going to get in the offensive side. We're going to look at the linemen. So offensive tackles, guards and centers, there's a lot of similarities here. Um, you want to look at their broad jumps. It shows that lower body flexibility and strength. But I'm going to get more into the arm length because uh, it's one of the most uh, talked about things amongst linemen. Tackles, I usually like my tackles around 34-inch arms or longer. Um but at minimum around 33. Now can guys, you know, you have a guy like Joe Thomas, it was 32 and a half. There, there are outliers everywhere. But when you're casting a wide net amongst NFL history, it's usually 33 inch plus minimum, or you're looking for really, you know, optimal length is 34. Guards, you're looking at 32 inch minimum at, at an inside part, and then 33 optimal. If they're longer, that is excellent. That doesn't mean it's, it's something that you have to go for. Now, centers. Centers are your, your key communicating, communication portals along the offensive line. They have so much that they have to digest amongst blocking schemes and pass rushing concepts before they're even able to snap the ball. So for me, I know everybody dwells on arm length as a lineman, uh, but knowing and learning from Jim Nagy, he really doesn't really hold that against linemen that are centers if they're 32 inches or, or lower. His thing that he looks for is hand size amongst centers. And he, he wants a guy that's really usually 10 inches or bigger because you'll be able to grip the ball no matter what the uh, conditions are, like I said, with the quarterbacks, whether it's rain, snow, sleet, ugliness, muddy games. But you're also able to control those big, hefty defensive linemen. So you want a guy that's nine and a half, 10 inches, bigger hands up on the, the higher end of the scale, at least 10 inches or above. Uh, and your centers, um, if they're at nine and a half, that's passable. But 10 is the ideal that you're looking for there among centers. Now, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball. We have defensive linemen. Same thing. We can look at these freak athletes that you see in Don Terry Poe running, you know, sub 540s. But you're looking at that 10 yard split. One, seven, two seconds is considered elite. It's that first three steps off the ball that you're able to penetrate. You're going to see a guy like Byron Murphy this year probably put up huge numbers. Um, and that's one of the his that's going to be really eye-catching is going to be his 10-yard split. Edge defenders, the, the three-cone is going to be the one that's most important. That's the one that I hold the most weight because it shows a, a blend of their bend uh, around the edge, the explosion off the snap, and as well as balance. So how well can you coordinate all three of those together? And you're really going to – the elite pass rushers are under 6.9 seconds, usually – you know, closer to the six seven six seven five area, but you're wanting to look at those three cone times. 
I'm going to combine linebackers and safeties now because the way we're seeing defenses played, you're seeing a lot of sub package football and you're seeing guys subbed in and out uh, amongst linebackers here. So short shuttle times for both of those types are very important because it shows how quickly you can diagnose what's happening in front of you, come to a stop, gather, then explode towards the ball. So you want short shuttle times of 4.15 seconds or better amongst your linebackers or safeties. Their 40-yard times are important. Their vertical jumps are especially important here because it shows that explosiveness being able to come from a stop and then burst up. Um, But short shuttle times are showing that fluidity that they can go laterally as well as downhill. And then finally here, we're talking about our cornerbacks, the three cone. Three cone is one of the most important. I know the long speed is important to be able to combat the explosive receivers vertically and carry them. But the three cone is, is your ability to be sticky in coverage. Hang in the hip pocket of those receivers laterally. You really want your cornerbacks to be in the 6'9 area or lower. And it just it shows if they have any hip stiffness here that you'll see in those transitions um, whenever they're going back and forth. So those are just some, some ideas of what you're looking at statistically and what you would want in combine performances and the positional needs and, and what you should be looking for from a scout's eye. And, and that's going to parlay me in, into my next portion here of this pod. And that's I'm going to give you a dozen players to keep an eye on from a Steelers perspective. Um, and I, it was hard to pare down this list because of the vast amount of talent that we have in Indy. Um, but I'm going to give you a, a number of them, both on the offense and defensive side. And I'd be remiss if I don't start off with the passers. I mentioned already that Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels aren't planning on throwing. Michael Penix is um, planning on throwing. Now, there hasn't been no reports about his athletic testing yet, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, But I think he is one of the players that can really start climbing back up maybe in the late round one discussion with his medicals if they come back clean after a long history of knee knee problems going forward. Um, There's a longevity question that's coming into play, so those medicals are going to be very important. Um, The other thing with him is he didn't really – show a lot of scrambling ability outside of the uh, college championship and the playoff games. I know it was here and there uh, a little more in his Indiana tape than in Washington. Um, so what type of athleticism does he possess in his, you know, his three cones, is he going to run the 40 time? And I'm really intrigued by that. I know he has huge hands already. Um, he can spin the ball with the best of them, uh, but he's going to be somebody to really take note of for the red flags that you can see about his medical reports. Another guy that I think could really steal the show that's really had a strong showing so far in the all-star circuit was Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. I like his tape a lot. He's uh, he's overcome some things after losing out to Caleb Williams in Oklahoma. Um, really grew up down in, in with the Gamecocks down there and was able to put some of the the younger things aside that he dealt with, with, with getting onto a Netflix show and when he was a young kid and letting the spotlight maybe get to his head and he really became a leader down there with not a lot of talent outside of Xavier Leggett. So being able to make a lot with not not a lot of playmakers around you um, could say something. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks into the early round two discussion. Maybe somebody comes and gets him at like 30 to 32 in the first just to get that fifth year option. But he could sneak into there with a, with a strong showing being some of these other big prospects are not throwing. So and finally, the final quarterback to keep an eye on is Joe Milton. Um, we know that he, he is a, a rocket launcher of a right arm. Uh, it's going to impress people here out in the air. Uh, but I'm intrigued to see what his 40 times are. Is he going to get close to that Anthony Richard-esque climb, being the vertical and the 40 time and, 
and all that? Are we going to see a team maybe fall in love with him? Maybe not in the first round, but on day two, they think they can get the most out of those raw talent that he has. So those are three quarterbacks to keep an eye on. Uh, a couple receivers to keep an eye on. I'm very intrigued by Malik Washington from Virginia. Uh, he's a dynamic playmaker. Um, I'm intrigued to see he's not the tallest guy, but he has good bulk. I'm intrigued to see what his hand size is and, and his three cones, his vertical and his 40s, his 10-yard splits. Uh, short shuttle. I'm in, I'm intrigued. I think he's going to put on a show as well. May rise into that that day two conversation, and I could I just love his fit in Kansas City. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe sneak into that first round as a Tyreek esque playmaker uh, there for Kansas City. Roman Wilson. Uh, I think all of us as Steeler fans we uh, we took note down in Mobile of him challenging uh, uh, Roman Wilson to be taking on. Uh, all the cornerbacks, I believe it was him and Quinion Mitchell uh, that were down there. I could be mistaken in that with the practice reps, but he said he, he wanted him to go mono a mono with them. And he was really putting out some quality tape down Mobile. So, And Wilson is a Bruce Feldman freak. Uh, he was a part of the freaks list for a reason. Uh, I encourage any of you guys that haven't read that list yet. And he also put one out as well through the athletic uh, previewing at the Combine. He does great work. Feldman's freak list every year is a must read. Um, he's going to blow up the combine. Uh, he may set the record for three cones times amongst receivers. He's going to run sub four, four, uh, jump out of this world. So Roman Wilson has the athleticism behind the production he has at Michigan. Now, offensive lineman that we're going to jump into Amarius Mims, the only the eight game starter from Georgia. Um, he is going to perform after having tightrope surgery on his ankle. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see the type of athlete that he is um, performing here. I want to see his measurables and, and his hand size, arm length. Um, but I want to see in the interview process, vetting him out after only eight games starting. I know it's hard to jump into that Georgia room and get starts immediately, but he's a guy that I'm really intrigued by. Uh, Troy Fatanu from Washington as well. Um, he's been getting the Rashawn Slater treatment. Um, they're, they're questioning his arm length. Is he going to be able to stick outside a tackle? Um, I believe he's a tackle through and through. He's an outstanding athlete. He's very, he's one of the most balanced offensive linemen that I've seen since scouting. Um, great hand usage and is just feisty of a blocker. So I'd let him start at tackle initially. And if he fails, he's going to be a Pro Bowl caliber, a Pro Bowl caliber guard. I don't see him getting out of the first round. So that's a guy, maybe if a couple tackles fall off and, we see some of the targets for the Steelers fall off that if he's available at 20, maybe they feel comfortable with sliding him in into our offensive uh, line room here and be happy with wherever he plays down the road. Um, as far as interior offensive linemen, I'm intrigued by both JPJ Jackson powers, Johnson. Uh, I know in mobile, he was, he was quite heavy, 334 pounds. So I want to see, is that his real playing weight? Is that what he's, he's, he's really at whenever he's in the trenches um, or did he bulk up to show the ability to play guard while he's down there? Um, so will he be leaner at there? But I think he's a real clean prospect. I think he's one of the top 20, 15 players in this draft. Um, so I'm highly intrigued just to continually check the boxes with him. Jack, Zach Frazier from West Virginia, the other center. Uh, I think we could see him. We're, we're getting to the conversation place where some of these teams in the late round one could use center help. And if it wouldn't have been for a broken leg, I think he would have been toe to toe with JPJ down in Mobile. So as far as I've I've been able to confirm and, and look around right now, he is 
um, on track to perform somewhat down in Mobile. I'm not sure he's going to be a full uh, slate out there, but it will be intriguing to see him um, take place in whatever it is. I know he's going to test out this world in the bench press. He is he's a freak um, in the weight room. Um, he's a four-time state wrestling champ in West Virginia. Uh, he has a family members uh, that are state wrestling champs, so there's a lot to like with him. Now on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to give you three names here to keep an eye on. Peyton Wilson, we know the medicals with him. He's had um, a lot of knee and shoulder issues in college, but is an uber athlete. He's going to test out of this world from NC State. So keep an eye on him, maybe in that second, third round, depending on medicals. Uh, In the cornerback room, Quinion Mitchell, we've seen him ball out down Mobile. I want to see the official times with his 40 times, his 10-yard splits, and his change of direction. Uh, but I think really he solidified himself after with the competition that he showed down there in Mobile. And finally, a guy that we didn't get to see is Ennis Rakestraw Jr. from Missouri. I love his tenacity. He comes downhill in uh, defense. He's not afraid to mix it up and get chippy with his assignments in man. Um, so what are his official measurements and change of direction skills are going to be? I want to see his vertical and his speed because – He's a guy that's on tape. He looks like a lanky cover corner um, that can stick with just about anybody. And I'd I'd say he's a first round, late first round type prospect that um, would make a lot of teams happy to come in, you know, year one and be able to contribute somehow. So just to wrap up our episode here, previewing the combine, uh, there was a little bit of a rumor uh, that was thrown out there this morning in uh, Peter King's final column, which I want to congratulate Peter. He's one of my uh, favorite people to read in the mornings here. Uh, He's done a great job for 44 years, Um, but he put out in his final column this morning that um, that he supposes and he thinks with without no insider knowledge that the Bears are going to trade the top pick, the number one pick in the 2024 draft and that's something that um, me as a, a conscientious observer here has been kind of on track with. I think that keeping the, the head coach and the GM in place and not having a rookie head coach and GM um, kind of discounted the effect that Caleb Williams may not be the number one pick. So, um, and Peter King really talks about in, in that little gist of his article that with that move, uh, if they trade from, say, one to two with the commanders, the commanders get their guy, a Washington, D.C. native and Caleb Williams. They could parlay that into another trade um, with another one of these quarterback needy teams, say Las Vegas, Minnesota, New England, um, and and find find another team that wants to come up and get either Drake May or Jaden Daniels before the New England Patriots. and. They could parlay those two trades maybe into nine picks in the next two drafts and really um, embrace Justin Fields um, and the quality play that he had down the line. So just something to stay tuned on, uh, folks. Keep a listen. I know Steeler Nation has been talking a lot about Justin Fields and being available and what would it cost to get him. So maybe he won't even be available. So that was uh, the early talk of the NFL Combine. So stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. I'm having a blast being able to provide you some content here. Make sure to follow me on Twitter or X here at Preacher Boy Roy. Go check out my work as well um, as my friend Jim Wexel and all the great staff over at Steel City Insider on 247sports.com. Um, if you're doing any mock draft or trying to keep track of all the moves during the offseason, go check out my personal website, prospectencyclopedia.com. Go give my friends Jeff, Dave, and Brian over at the Steel Curtain Network a listen to their various podcasts. They're great and in-depth insights there. You won't be sorry with that. 
And I just want to close by reminding everyone, if you need to take a second and, 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 and I need to let you know that life is bigger than just the results in the gridiron. And if you're in need of maybe an ear or maybe a challenge flag uh, to help you review what's going on in your life and get back on track, don't be afraid to hit me up on my DMs on X. Uh, they're always open. Or if you just want to stop and talk shop or talk football, I'm always down. So this has been episode two of the Black and Gold Blueprint presented by Fans First Sports Network. And as always, guys and girls, Stay humble. Be a blessing.